Hello everyone. Quick thank you to everyone that's left a review on iTunes. I, I have no way of replying because iTunes is... I won't say anything bad about iTunes just in case Apple come down on me, but I can't reply to your reviews, but I really appreciate it. Thanks also for everyone that messages me on Instagram and says nice things, and for people that are sharing the podcast on their IG stories. I'm, It's, it's everything for me, it's, so thank you so much. Uh, okay, so two events coming up that I've just announced. First one is a live podcast with Dan Morgan. That is September 7th. So this is going to be in the Yoga Hub. It's a free event, 20 people maximum, three people have signed up already, uh, and I announced it yesterday. The other event is Heels Overhead, the handstand workshop, which is the week before that, August 31st, at Greystones Yoga Studio. And that's 35 quid, which is a bargain for Greystones because it's quite a posh place. Um, so all information can be found on Kevin Boyle Yoga forward slash events and retreats. The other thing is the early bird for the teacher training with Yoga Hub, which is led by myself and Catherine Henley, is ending on August 12th. So if you listen before then, you have a chance to sign up for teacher training. That is starting in September and it lasts for 10 months until May next year. Roughly one to two sessions a month. Um, the early bird will finish. We're starting on August, sorry, starting on September 21st. So if you don't grab the early bird, maybe you can grab a ticket after that and uh, or grab your place. It'd be great to have you. Feel free to message me with any questions you have about that. The podcast sponsor for today is Small Changes, the Ye Olde Faithful, whatever that expression is, organic, eco-friendly, plant-based whole food store here in Dublin, Ireland. Zero waste ethos. They've actually started to introduce those big containers where you go in, you get your bag and you pour out your own nuts, seeds, lentils, dried fruit, whatever, and then you can weigh it yourself. So I've noticed they're getting a lot busier in there, which is cool. People are obviously getting more conscious about their consumerism uh, or their consumption. And uh, yeah, you can go in and serve, your, serve yourself and just pay at the checkout. They're based in Drumcondra, Dublin 9. Any information about them is found on smallchanges.ie. So today's podcast guest, most importantly, is Mandalay Kuhn. Mandalay was a guest on the podcast about a, about a year ago, I would say in September. And yeah, she. so if you don't know Mandalay, think of this. She was a trained lawyer. That's what she worked at full time. When I met her two years ago at the Yoga Hub Christmas party, she was very much head in the, in the legal game and doing part-time yoga teaching and now she's left all of that and doing full-time yoga teaching retreats events ceremonies and uh yeah she's a real inspiration so i hope you enjoyed this chat with mandalay without further ado here she is now last time we spoke was November? No, it would have had to have been August because I left the country last September. Really? Yeah. Okay, I checked the... Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we recorded in August but released in November. Okay. Or yes. recorded early September, maybe. It Spot. was early, Actually, it was early September we recorded. It might have been September 10th. Ooh, okay. You're on the ball. All mm -hmm. right. So where did you go then? Um, I went off to Peru. Yeah. First, so I went to the U.S. for a little while to visit the family and do a little California tour. Then I went off to Peru, um, to the Sacred Valley and to the jungle. 
Um, from there, I had a quick pit stop back here in Dublin, and then I went off to Nepal mm. for three months. Mm. So almost three months in Peru, and then almost three months in Nepal. So when did you get back here? Early April. Okay. Yeah. And um, since you've been back, now you're you're doing what's changed for you since you've come back? Oh my God, everything! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely everything. So where you and I left off, I had just finished completed my role um, in law as a lawyer. I had just finished that role, left the office and was embarking on this spiritual journey. I spoke in that last, um, in our last conversation about how I had done a lot of plant medicine that year. Mm. I think we discussed how I got very deep into my meditation practice after having um, a big fibroid surgery and fertility treatment to freeze my eggs. And so the, the trip to Peru and Nepal was... Um, it was just it was it was like the next transition from mm. leaving the corporate worlds um coming into and I, at that time I didn't know who I was coming into or what I was coming into I just knew that it was the next step I just knew that there were gifts things for me to learn in Peru and things for me to learn in Nepal mm-hmm. and um I definitely received those gifts in both places and mm. now that I'm back home um, I'm doing a few things actually. So I guess my, my main gig is I'm doing spiritual coaching. So basically like life coaching with a focus on spirituality, with a focus on helping people find their soul's purpose. Um, in addition to that, I do one-on-one energy healings, incorporating, um, Tibetan sound bowls. So you'll call it sound, um, sound massage. You put the bowls on the body. Mm. So the vibrations go through the body. Um, they go through to a cellular level actually, whereas massage would work on the the muscular level, Mm. physiotherapy on, you know, joints and there's all kinds of therapies out there. Reiki on a, on the subtle body. Um, Mm. And the sound massage or the vibrational therapy with the bowls goes through to the cellular level. So it's just a, another type of alternative therapy mm-hmm. um, for people to enjoy. So I incorporate Reiki, the sound healing, and um, shamanic techniques that I've picked up um, through working with different shamans and doing a few different courses. Mm. Um, and I hold cacao ceremonies where people come, we drink cacao, you've been to a cacao ceremony, cacao being a heart opening medicine helps people to get into that heart space so that their intuition can arise and they can get in touch with their soul's purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's along the same lines of what I do with energy healing, balancing people's energy so they can come into that place where their intuition can arise so they know where to go. They know what they're meant to be doing here. I believe we all have a purpose on this planet. And not all of us are fulfilling that purpose. As you know, you and I both were in a place mm. in in careers that didn't really serve us. Mm. Um, and now we're doing what we love and what I think we're meant to be here doing. Mm. You know, So the cacao ceremonies help people find that. The one-on-one energy healings help people find that. And then the one-to-one coaching, the life coaching, I help people find that. Mm. And I do retreats. I'm doing retreats for women that incorporate all those things, incorporate the cacao, the energy healing, the sound, getting in touch with the womb space, mostly doing all those modalities in connection with um, getting in touch with our womb. Mm. Because our womb, I know you've had Jenny Keene on the podcast and she's talked a lot (laughs) about yonis and how powerful they are. Well, I believe, and this is on my journey, I have found in my experience to be fully true is that our yonis cannot be powerful. Our womb space, our creativity and our empowerment and 
our intuition, our inspiration cannot flow out of our womb space until we've healed the womb. You know, mm. we carry um, we carry trauma in the womb space. We carry the traumas that our mothers received in in during pregnancy or before they even became pregnant with us, mm. and what their mothers carried. We carry all that in an imprint in our womb space, and this is a big block for women stepping into their power and um, letting their creativity flourish, letting mm. their inspiration come to them. So this is what we work on in the retreats. Yeah, I think the the key um, part of that is that you've decided to specialize in something that really interests you, and and something yeah. that something that seems quite niche, and something you, you would think. Sorry to turn this into like a bit business point of view, but to oh, think yeah. if you to think, I mean, you were coming from um, the the world of uh, in the legal world, you know, being a lawyer, and that takes many years to um, get do your exams and then I remember when I first met you I know I said this on the pre I'm sure I said this on the previous podcast that we did when I first met you it was at the yoga hub Christmas party and, yes. I, and I for anyone who hasn't listened to the other episode of the Whit Mandalay um and then I my my question to you was why don't you be a full-time teacher because that's what I wanted to do and some you know when you have an opinion you want people to reinforce it yes yeah <laughs> to get you don't want to hear something that, that differs from that because it can deter you from your path and when you said that you you know you don't think you could make a living from it you, you're just you I suppose you'd invested so much time being a lawyer that um that's what you're going to do and then it went a 360 and you decided to become a full-time teacher but it was once you really took the process of introspection and asked yourself what you actually wanted and then realized yeah. that no matter what you choose to do you'll find that if you really love it you'll find enough people that are interested in it yeah the like trust in what you're doing if you love what you're doing trust that the money will come and mm. yeah. you know and it does yeah. and i think the perspective i was at, at that time when we met and had that conversation um, I wasn't doing anything more than just teaching one-hour classes. I wasn't really doing workshops or retreats. Mm. Um, I definitely wasn't doing um, energy healings on anybody or the one-to-one -one coaching that I'm doing now. Mm. So I had a very limited view of yeah. what we could do as yoga teachers, you know. Um, at that point, I thought all we could do, all we could offer people was that one-hour a few times a week in the classroom mm -hmm. um, when really now we have both found that we can actually offer so much more to people mm -hmm. outside of that one hour in the classroom and it's just for me I just wasn't there yet on on my soul's journey you mm -hmm. know I had some some other things to learn about myself and about life and about yoga and how we create this union between ourselves and the divine which is what yoga is mm -hmm. whether we're doing the physical practice in the the studio or not um, yeah, I, I just. I think, I think that there's that there's value in in um, whichever way you receive yoga. There's value in each avenue. I mean, like public classes can be great because you can access uh, your practice for an hour and then go about the rest of your day. Yeah. But but retreats, I I think the blockage comes from um, the teacher themselves. They think that they're not ready. Oh or yeah. Or they're not qualified, and maybe they're not ready, and maybe yeah. they're, they're not. But. Um, I'm doing my first retreat in about a month. It's in September, and that's um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I remember when I was planning it, I was thinking to myself, 
like hours would go by when I'd plan it and I wouldn't even realize I'd be sitting at home yeah. for three hours yeah. and I, because I was so into it. And the, the, I was <laughs> running scenarios through my head of, all oh, right, we're all going to be around the fire and then we're going to be in the, the hot tub and then we're going to be eating dinner together. And I was so excited by it that I was like, this is, doesn't even feel like work because yeah. I'm planning this. I'm looking forward to this as much as probably as the people that are going. And I then I, I thought this could actually be um, something you do more of or oh, yeah. a, a lot more. Um, but There's a huge market for it. Like people need retreat. Mm. <laughs> it's retreat is it's, yeah. it's called that for a reason. <laughs> like yeah. we all need it. Yeah. Yeah. What have you found? Um, just before we came in here, we sat down. We were talking about um, massage, and I was explaining to you that my my girlfriend Ray, she's gonna she's becoming a massage therapist it's brilliant like she's i i again i'm conscious of like speaking too much about other people yeah. and, their, and, their, and their business but um it's really uh, inspiring for me to see someone go and do something they really want to do and every time i see that i i i get um a boost because yeah. i think like oh it can be done at any time any stage but the idea of massage and she is a massage therapist now but she has made a commitment to getting a massage herself at least once a month and yeah. i haven't really spoke to her about it but you brought it up as we were sitting down what yeah. what what's you is so important about massage it's the human touch I think, I mean, aside from most of us going and getting a massage when we have tension in the body or pain in our back or neck or mm. hips or, or whichever. And that's, that's one reason to do it, to have someone help us relieve that tension because we can't do it on our own. Mm. Um, but I think the main reason, I know the main reason for me is, is the human touch, just the touch of hands, human hands on our body is so healing. Mm. It's so soothing to the soul. It's so healing to the vibration that we are operating at mm -hmm. at any given time so for me that's i made a commitment to myself this year as well um to get at least one massage at least i'm saying <laughs> one massage per month yeah um because because it is it's, sorry to interject but it yeah. is it is a skill as well like you know the platonic with platonic touch i think a lot of people think of touch and they we immediately think it's uh, sec sexual mm -hmm. just because the just because we're so um we don't do it as much as maybe we should or we do in other cultures. And I think that when you become a massage therapist, that skill of being able to put your hand on someone and do it in a way that shows confidence, that you yes. know what you're doing, but, but also you're, you're tender yeah. as well. Because I have had massage in the past and they're not supposed to be deep tissue massages. They're supposed to be soothing aromatherapy massages. And... You, you can pick up a lot from the person just by how they put their hands on you. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? And it, yeah. it immediately can make you feel a certain way depending on how skilled they are. Yeah. Um, what, what type of massage do you go for when you have a massage? Well, it's funny. I was, you know, after I got back, um, I was, when I got back in April, I was like, I'm going to find the, like my massage therapist. Hmm. And I went around to a few different people. Thai massage, um, Lomi Lomi massage. I love Lomi Lomi massage. What it's, is that? It's a Hawaiian technique of massage where they do really long strokes on the body. And um, it's very spiritual um, practice. The practitioner has to be specifically trained in Lomi Lomi. And um, yeah, they're doing it from a place of spirit, not from a place of the physical body. So they're moving energy around really. 
um, with these really long strokes up the body. It wouldn't be that deep tissue you're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, and yeah, like like having a GP, I was like, I'm going to find that massage therapist. It's going to be like my mm -hmm. GP. Yeah. And um, so I tried a few, haven't found one, but then I met my boyfriend and he just loves giving me massages. Oh, and wow. <laughs> he's, not, he's not trained, but he's absolutely amazing at it. And I'm like, how, like, how are you being so amazing? And if you've never had any training, he's like, just because I love you. It's like, Aww. I'm just putting love in my hands and moving him, just moving around the body and it's just happening. So I, yeah, I manifested <laughs> my massage therapist in just a much different form than I expected. <laughs> That's funny. So love, I guess I'm getting love massages yeah, is what exactly. I'm getting now. Yeah. Um, it, but why do you think people don't um, get massages as much as they should do? Mm, that's a good question. Money could be a factor, you know, because they're an investment. Um, I think also, what was just in my mind there? I think also some people feel it's a luxury mm. that they don't deserve. And this is something I'm finding out with working on my, working with my one-on-one -on -one clients and in my, my group, you know, in my healing ceremonies with cacao and stuff is, we don't feel like we deserve to be pampered. We've, this is such a good point. Yeah, we don't feel like we deserve massages. We don't feel like we deserve facials and foot rubs and self-love mm -hmm. basically is what it comes down to. We don't feel like we deserve to love ourselves enough to spend the money and the time on letting our bodies receive. Mm -hmm. Really what Rachel is doing is giving people love mm -hmm. when she's massaging yeah. them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, it, um, it, it's funny you say that because I think we don't, we think as we think of relaxation as um, kind of as, as dosing as as uh, what's the better word for that as um, doing nothing being lazy know, being lazy being yeah. lazy exactly and I wonder you know, that because my parents are Irish they're from the countryside and uh, you know they're from both from farms and their whole thing when when we would go to the countryside to see my gran would be like oh there's Tommy Byrne he's a great worker. That would yes. be the main thing, like, yeah. like what's good about him? Well, he's a great worker, or she's a great worker. And that would be how you'd evaluate someone's character, is how hard can they work? Yeah. How, are they first, they're first thing in the morning, last thing, and they don't moan about it, they just mm. kind of grimace away and get on with it. And to to not do that, to to relax, yeah, is to, it feels like it's being lazy. But um, but now we I think we live in a world where, you don't work Monday to Friday and mm. your work is always with you. It's in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So you have to be even more mindful of mm -hmm. setting aside time to, to not work. Yeah. Um, I mean, even my old man, will, he, on Sundays, he, he won't work. He doesn't go to church, but, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's his, that's his day of rest and he, he won't work. But, um, but even we don't have that anymore. We're like Sundays, oh, sales are on or yeah. stuff is still open. Or, you know, we actually have a day at home where we can respond to those emails we didn't get to last week. Exactly. You know? It never stops. Because they're right in our pocket. Yeah. Like you never, said. It never stops. But you're always, if you're always giving out, like, and you're not filling up your cup, as, as it were. Yeah. Um, then something's going to give. Have you noticed, like, what have been the main things you notice when people come to you, the reason why they need that, the things, the things that you offer? Um... Most people say they feel stuck or it's like they have a little niggle, like they know there's something not right. Actually, to be honest, most people, it's, it's about career. 
it's either love or career. Mm. It's either in a relationship they feel stuck in some way or in their career they feel stuck in some way. They know that there's something different out there, but they don't know what it is. Mm. Um, or with love, they, they can't get over a heartbreak and they know in their rational mind they should. Everything points to them that they should be able to get over it, but they can't. Mm. Um, yeah, and in that case, it's just it, it's coming to self-love finding self-love because once you find that the external love will just pour in mm -hmm. it's, it's it's just the law of the universe it's how it works mm -hmm. and then as far as you know my clients that come to me i mean there are other reasons why people come to me as well yeah. but these are two big ones yeah um the people feeling stuck in their career it's because they don't have enough time enough time in silence enough time with themselves to be able to check in and let what they're meant to be doing arise within them to let their passions arise within them mm -hmm. because we're so busy after work we're running to the gym or we're running to drinks with friends or meeting the family at the weekends we're away at festivals or mm -hmm. to weddings gosh yeah. you know and that takes up a whole weekend and we never really take time to just be with ourselves mm -hmm. and meditation really is the best way for that mm -hmm. you know even if that means just sitting under a tree and staring at the tree. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to have like a Buddhist meditation practice or a yoga meditation practice, just in silence with yourself because the answers for what we're meant to be doing here are all inside. Mm -hmm. But we need to cut out some of the noise for those answers to be able to arise so we can hear them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. What's your little rituals then that you do that help for you to create space in your head? Meditation for sure. Like I meditated for 45 minutes before coming here. Mm. I had to. I was at All Together Now Festival this past weekend. Oh, uh, how was that? I have actually, actually I'm going to shuffle this way a little bit. Oh, it rained so much. It Did rained. It? Yeah, it rained so much. So and there, yeah. I was in Sligo, so I, I don't know. I mean, I mean oh. it, rained, it rained in Sligo, but I didn't, you know. I mean, it yeah, no, it rained, like it rained a lot and it was very loud. I don't know. I was saying to one of my friends who's a sound guy who I was with, I was like, am I just getting older? Is it very loud? He agreed that it was very loud. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just, I'm past that, that festival thing <laughs> for a while. Um, but it was still fun. I love camping and it's enjoyable to be in that community vibe, that community atmosphere. Mm. But um, I don't drink anymore. So um, it was a different, it's a different experience when you go sober and you're camping with people who are up drinking all night and loud music and, and it's loud. stuff. And it's very loud. So um, yeah, I needed that 45 minute meditation this morning. But yeah, my rituals, meditation, if, um, if anybody checks out my website or comes to any of my classes, I really promote and encourage people to build an altar space in their home, mm. even if they don't sit in front of it to meditate. Just mm. having a little sacred space somewhere, even if it's in a corner, if it's on a table, um, if it's next to the bed, it doesn't matter where. It's just it's a little reminder of our sacred nature. Yeah. Um, and our connection to a world outside of all these material things mm -hmm. that we put too much value in. Yeah. Um, little candle, little picture, a little Buddha statue, or a little gem or crystal that you love, mm -hmm. um, a watch from your grandpa, you know, whatever little nice things you like. And to bring a candle there, to bring in the fire element, I work a lot with the elements, mm -hmm. the earth elements, um, to bring a shell there, to bring in the, the water element of like the ocean and the sea. You can even put a little cup of water at your altar to bring in the water element, which is really cleansing. Um, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, but just that that's, I have three 
altars in my house mm. and I don't always have been very busy so I don't always get time to sit at them and meditate or pray mm. um, when I say pray I do like are like bija mantras connected to the chakras or other mm. uh, Sanskrit mantras I would um, recite but even though I don't always get time to sit there just passing it and seeing it isn't a good enough reminder it's a quick tune in like okay I am something more than this phone in my hand yes. and this car I'm about to go get into and this bag that I'm about to pick up with all these you know my valuable possessions within it I am more than all of these things yeah so funny you said Mandalay because I you don't even notice but when you walk up the stairs there I, we have a, a room for yoga we have two, our two mats down and um, I have my I don't burn incense anymore because I don't know what's in it, but I have a Palo Santo or I have my diffuser and I go in the morning, I put that on and I sm when I smell that, mm -hmm. I, I my brain probably says, right, it's time for yoga. You know, and, yes. and, and, and the mats are down. I don't have to roll the mats out at all. They're there to go straight away. As soon as the door closes, that's it. it we, yeah. we start. And I think it's so important to have ritual because... Yeah. I find that um, now I've, I'm doing two practices a day, so which suits me because I do one in the morning uh, and then I do my work. And what I find is when I'm doing my work on my computer, on my iPhone, or any smartphone it will do, uh, is, is I find that I get caught up in my head with like thinking, right, I need to get this done, that done, you know, do this page for my website, send this email, and that I get all up in my head and then if I, in the afternoon, I, if I have another practice, I, it like, I shed it all away. It, yeah. And, it, and, it feel, and then once I'm in my yoga room, I feel like I don't need any external things to make me feel good. Yeah. All I need is movement and breath and, yeah. and mindful attention to how I'm feeling and then relaxation at the end. Yeah. And if I have those four things, I, I realize, wow, I can actually um, tap in to how I feel and essentially putting it simple I can feel good just by practicing yoga yeah I don't I don't need to have um any kind of um what's the word um when you're when you're um what's the word when you're like approved by I don't need to be um validated by mm. things outside of that yeah but but ritual is so important it is it is and I think what I would add to that having been a very strong yoga, physical asana yoga practitioner. Mm -hmm. um, and then after I had my surgery, I wasn't able to do asana anymore. All I had was, um, was my dharana and dhyana practice, my meditation and concentration practice from yoga. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you said you, if you have those four things, the breath, the yoga, I think if it came to a point when you couldn't physically practice yoga, mm -hmm. you know, where you just had the breath, just coming into that sacred space and shutting that door with your Palo Santo burning and your essential oils diffuser, that alone without moving at all, mm -hmm. I know you would just drop, anyone could just drop right into that space because you have created that sacred space, that mm -hmm. ritual of coming to your sacred space. And you're right, your, your body remembers, your mind remembers, your body remembers, mm -hmm. this is a time for just me to be with my core self and not worry about any of those external things. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right, because I, I, do, I do realize that my body movement is a vehicle for me, and that I, and I need that because I, I'm, I like to move a lot. I've, I've always been that way since I was a kid. But if you couldn't, and that's all going to come to us one day, you know, maybe mm. the body's going to slow down, then, as you said, you can still um, 
get where you need to go if you just have a ritual, have a practice. But do you mind me asking? You said you can't practice asana. What? I can now, but I couldn't. Oh, you for, couldn't. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't, and that was when when I had the um, when I had my fibroid surgery. It was a full open abdominal surgery, so they cut me open from hip to hip, Whoa. and um, yeah, it was pretty major um, to remove the the tumors that I had there. And yeah, they told me I wouldn't be able to practice yoga, and I was like, what? Like there's so many there's so many gentle asanas you can practice. Mm. What do you mean? And I I really I couldn't practice for, they said three months, and I was like I can't even bend over to like, touch my toes. Nothing, side twist. Nothing. They didn't want me to do anything, mm. and that really freaked me out because like as you've just said, our movement is so important to us as yogis. Mm. Um. It really freaked me out. I was like, I'm going to go crazy if I, if I <laughs> can't move my body, you know? Mm. And, um, but I, I had no choice. Mm. So, and then that's when I found the meditation side of yoga and I had to just shelf the asana for a while. Mm. And guess what? It was fine. It was completely fine because our bodies, our bodies respond to what's happening in the present. Mm. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I didn't once feel like, oh man, I wish I had my physical practice. I need to move. Not once. The meditation got me through Mm -hmm. and creating that ritual of having the sacred space to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, When when you you practice, do you normally practice alone? Yeah. 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 Okay. And, um, but yeah, that's how I got into the energy healing. And that's how I even learned that we all have a a purpose on this earth that comes from the soul that we need to find is because I I couldn't physically practice anymore. So I was no longer in the space of doing because we're physically practice, practicing, unless you can get your mind into that meditative state where you're not thinking about your next movement or whether your knee is aligned with your ankle or whether you're rooting to the outside of the foot (laughs) and not falling into your inner arch, you know, you're, we're using our mind for all of that. And that's a do. That's not a being, mm. you know, when we're meditating or in receiving energy healing or giving ourselves energy healing, we're just being. And this is when, this is when our gifts arrive. This is when our passions come to the surface. Yeah. This is when we find what we're meant to be doing here. And this is where we find the answers of where to go next and what to do next yeah. on yeah. our journeys. But, but you know, um, I, I mentioned on Instagram yesterday that uh, about people preaching about what is not yoga what is not yoga and mm. and and what, what 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 the point i was getting at instagram is so limited you know you can yeah. write a few captions and things get misunderstood my, my point i was making is that i have noticed how some people particularly people that have been teaching for many years will say this isn't yoga that isn't yoga and they'll kind of put down things whereas i like to hear as you're talking about there what yoga is to you yeah you know, and what you get from it and no you don't need as you said you don't even need to have a um um, an asana practice you can yoga can be different look like different things for different people but yeah. it's not a, it's not the case it's not um one of action it's one of being isn't it mm-hmm. as you said um and spe- speaking of like yoga and doing it alone because i often do my yoga alone as well I, often i just find just cause my schedule and stuff i'm on my own practicing i rarely go to public classes yeah but i do think that spirituality is can be very powerful when you're in a group and mm-hmm. I, and i and i find, like even you go to watch arsenal in the emirates well usually better in better in hybrid but um the um emirates is their new stadium but they when you're when you're like chanting a, a football song you are 
there something it feels like something spiritual is happening if you forget about the bad words and mm-hmm, <laughs> and, yeah. and the and maybe uh the environment that you're in the, the the thing of being with other people it feels a bit like a church yeah you know, and, and without the kind of dogmatism but um but i think that's what i'm i'm missing a little bit is i miss that being with other people and this is what reason why retreats interest me so much mm-hmm. because um I, I haven't actually been on many retreats okay um, what what do you think is so i mean i know the clues in the name but what do you think is so valuable valuable about a retreat um in, in, like in your experience yeah so for me it's getting the space to just be and to just be with other people because then when you're on retreat most retreats, I think if they're a good one, you don't have your phones accessible. So like in my retreats, I ask people to either leave their phones in their cars mm. or some people even give me their phones and I put them away in a cupboard Okay. Um, so they're not tempted to look at them. Um, and all the retreats that I do, if they don't require you to, like, because, you know, I was, when I was in Nepal, I did Buddhist retreats. I was living in a monastery for almost a month. Mm. And they actually take your phone and your laptop away. They take your journals and your books away from you. They take everything away from you. Oh. Um, so I think, so these are the types of retreats that I go on um, and I require in my retreats for people to give up their phones. Um, that for me is is the main thing. You're getting away from your ordinary life from the things that you do every day and you're coming into this space where once you get rid of those things you can just be yourself Mm. once you don't have these attachments um and you can just be yourself with other people and to be seen as you without all these distractions Mm. is it's really healing it's really it's really empowering it gives us a lot it's a real boost to our sense of self um not our ego is not what i'm talking about like our sense of our true selves, our core selves, which is the heart and which is love. And even though like you're saying at these Arsenal matches, you know, you're all chanting, who knows what, I don't know what you're chanting, but it's like, obviously we're going to beat the hell out of you, the other team, and we're we're the best. That's to put it politely. Yeah. (laughs) And there's probably beer sloshing around as people are, but still that's the feeling you're getting. It's like, we're all, your hearts are connecting because at that point, your hearts are all going out to this team and all your heart energy is connecting together. Mm Um, and that's what I find on retreat is, is the most important thing. You can let the distractions, the things from your ordinary world, you can leave them behind, you can leave them in a cupboard, and then you can just be who you are at your core with other people there. Mm. And do things that matter, you know, do yoga, cooking food together, yeah. spending time together, not doing anything, just being in each other's company, like you said, in a hot tub or on a walk through nature. Um, in my retreats, we do some crafting, you know, collect things in nature and make smudges mm. um, or flower wreaths or, you know, mm-hmm. being with people, I not think, doing with people. That's, that's I think, the main thing about retreats. That's not, I like that. That, that is actually, because I ha- do you say when you're, when the, you first do the copy for your retreat, do you say in anywhere, if you sign up for this retreat, we ask you to hand in your phone. Do you say that before people join? No, I don't do it in the advertisement because there's you're, you know you're limited in flyers and whatnot, um, oh, yeah. how much you can put on there. But I do I send an email about a week before the retreat to you know give people expectations of you know the, mm. the schedule because I'd also wouldn't put that in the full the full schedule in the advertisement either. Why not? So. Um, just cause it's a lot. Oh, um, too much text. Yeah. Too much oh, text. Okay, okay. Like my retreats are more, um, they're not relaxed. They are relaxing. 
but they're more, <laughs> it's like their personal development and their deep healing mm. work. So mm. there are, we have chunks of time that we have to, that once we fill, we have to move on to the next thing. So like mm-hmm. shamanic workout in nature and then a fire ceremony in the evening, ritual flower baths on the Sunday morning. And I have up to 20 people in my retreat. So, you know, you have to get it, all those things done mm-hmm. in that amount of time to move on to the next thing. Um, so yes, yeah, so I would send an email out before to give people kind of a, a little rough idea of the schedule. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, since we're going to be outside, tell them what kind of gear to bring with them to make sure that they feel secure and safe, mm-hmm. you know, going out in nature. Um, even down to like what the beds are like, just everything you'd mm-hmm. want to know if, if you were going to retreat. And then, sorry, what was the question you said? Why don't I tell them? No, I was. Um, you d- do you tell them about the mobile? Oh, the mobile phones, and I say it in that email. Yeah, I you think, know. I think that's. Um, I, I'm going to run that by Elisa, but I, that sounds like a really good idea to me because, um, you could say, well, if, if people have their phones, then they'll take pictures, they put it in Instagram, and it's advertising for the retreat. But to be honest, I don't really need it. It's not that important to me. Like, don't need. Yeah. A, I don't need to. And it is, as you said, it's people just. It, to give people a bit of empowerment to say I don't need my phone for three days I yeah. actually don't need it and I choose to use the phone mm-hmm. the phone doesn't use me yeah and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting sassy uh, but um, yeah but and I so I, true though and I doubt anyone would be I'd be very surprised if anyone was resistant to that suggestion I've been surprised no, nobody has been resistant to me mm. um and my like not once everyone's like really we're we're allowed to not have our phones yeah okay like people love it yeah so yeah i would definitely recommend i mean you give people the option obviously if there's someone who really wants to have their phone then they can really have their phone like Mm -hmm. i'm not going to tell people i'm just giving them the option you know and most Mm -hmm. people take it and then as far as pictures on retreat and stuff um I just say, you know, we can take pictures on the last day in the afternoon if you want to get photos together mm-hmm. because it takes you out of the present moment. You know, if you're if you're doing a meditation or you're, you're settling down to do a meditation or, you know, outside or mm-hmm. um, settling in, getting your mats out to do your asana practice. I'm speaking of like your retreat now. Mm-hmm. Someone brings out the phone. It just takes everyone right out of that present moment that you're all sharing. And then someone sees someone else on their phone and they think, oh, well, I might as well look at my one now because... And then mm-hmm. everyone's looking at their phone. Yeah. And yeah, abs- that is such a good point. Also, as well, about being present, I it blows my mind. And this is, I just don't understand this. When I see people, um, well, like videoing everything. Like I'm at a concert, I'm going to video the whole concert. Yeah. Like, like I get having a picture maybe to capture the moment, but like no one wants to see some shitty image, like blurred uh, footage of a concert they weren't at with yeah, really yeah. bad sound quality yeah, and, shaky, yeah, yeah. and a shaky camera shaky hand uh, I, I just i understand that we want to share and i like sharing too but i honestly if i wasn't on instagram if i sorry let me start again if i didn't wasn't working for myself as a soul trader yoga teacher i don't think i'd be on instagram i 100 percent feel the same as you i i just don't see yeah. it see, i remember two years ago um, when I started Instagram, I was like, I've heard of this Instagram thing. What is it? And someone's telling me it's like Facebook, but it's just pictures. I said, why would you want to share pictures with people you don't know? I don't, I don't yeah. get that. And then, um, I realized, oh, okay, I can share what I do with my yoga practice yeah. and let people know where I'm at and stuff. And now it's, it's very, very handy tool. 
But um, when I was traveling back in 2006, when I went around the world, mm-hmm. with my mate, um, and we'd get to some tourist destination, everyone had their cameras out and constantly taking pictures and like constantly, constantly. And I thought of myself, look, I can just go on Google Images and Google uh, Lake Tarpo and just get a really good picture of Lake Tarpo there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taken yeah. by a professional photographer uh, yeah. and it'll be much better than this. Whereas you're going to have a bunch of photos that you'll probably never look at and I can guarantee you if you say to someone, oh, I was traveling around the world, do you want to see a picture of Lake Tarpo? They'll be like, they may politely say yes, but they really don't want to see your holiday yeah. pictures. No one wants to see your holiday pictures unless they're, they've been on that, to that place. <laughs> yeah, or, or unless they're really close to you. They're and, like and, your parents. Even then my parents, I don't think they haven't seen my, my picture <laughs> Pictures of Nepal or Peru, you know. Yeah, unless you're in the picture, maybe then. But like, um, just for God's sake, just stop. Look at the what you're looking at. Enjoy it and think. Yeah. Enjoy it and think. I'll never see this again. Part of it for me when I was traveling was I was too lazy to just get my camera out because yeah. I. This is before they had smartphones, so it was like, or before I had a smartphone, so I had um, one of those Casio little cameras. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a quick snap thing. A snapshot thing and um i thought i couldn't bother getting my camera out again and um but yeah the the, the photo thing is interesting i mean <laughs> go on Mandalay. yeah no i was gonna say the thing is once you take that option away from yourself of ha- of having the pictures like i took hardly any pictures when i was in peru and i was in some of them i was in the sacred valley which if anybody listening if you've been to the sacred valley if you haven't been definitely go if you've been you know what i'm talking about these mountains are so impressive. Mm. I mean, there are impressive mountains all over the world. These mountains are super duper special. Mm. Um, the local people, the Quechua people, the descendants of the Aztecs call them Apus, which means gods in Quechua, mm-hmm. because they worship these mountains wow. as gods. These mountains carry energies through them mm-hmm. that, um, that yeah, bring lots of amazing stuff to people's lives. Mm. It's like these people live by the mountains mm-hmm. um and I've, just being there like the way you feel like you get a mental picture when you take away the option of taking a photo with your phone or with a professional camera um you know so you can look at later your mind the experience will be imprinted within you your mind will take the picture for mm, you and you'll so. have that picture later mm-hmm. i have the picture right now of the exact about what I'm thinking of. Mm. Like, I have a full picture in my mind. And mm. that's what really matters, because it's not just the picture, it's the feeling that you have, like, the feeling I have in my body right now is exactly how I felt when I was standing in front of this beautiful mountain. Because mm. you're thinking, right, I'm never going to see this again, probably, so I'm really going to take this all in, in my yeah. mind. Well, I'm going to see it again in January. But... Okay, <laughs> show enough. <laughs> but there was the option at that time. I didn't know if I was going to see it again or not. But yeah, like you're like this is, when you're present in the moment. That's the thing we're talking about presence. When you are present in the moment, you will remember. Mm-hmm. You're not going to forget. And then if you're not being present in the moment, if what you're relying on is photos for your experience, well, then what? That's a shitty experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, also I was clear. I just bought a new Mac and I was swapping my data from one to the other and it was running out of space and had all these old photos from only like, you know, from anywhere between five to 10 years ago, like maybe a thousand photos. I just deleted them all. Good, oh my God, did it feel so good? I didn't feel anything. Oh, okay. Which probably tells you a lot. I thought, Uh, these are people that, yeah, I met them once upon a time, they're great people, maybe I'll see them again, maybe I won't, but 
I'm not going to look at these pictures or send them to anyone. Or yeah. um, if I occasionally see a picture of me back in the day, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then yeah. let move on. But pictures that I do like are in our house, my mum and dad's house, we've got our photo albums. And, you know, there's pictures of me and my sister as kids. Yeah. That's different. Yeah, th- that's different. That's, that's different. definitely different. But well, it, obviously, if you're a professional photographer and you take some great shots, like hanging pictures in your house or something, like, you know, if you're mm-hmm. like you were saying Lake Tarp where you were at, if you took a picture of yourself and you wanted to, like, frame it in your house or something, mm-hmm. like then it becomes a piece of art mm-hmm. for, for you as well, yeah. you know? I wonder if, like... You're saying how if you weren't on a yoga team, you weren't doing what you're doing as a living, you probably wouldn't be on Instagram. Um, I wonder if people like yoga girl, Rachel. Rachel Brathen, yeah. Like how much she, she documents her child, and other people do it as well. They document their child, like thousands of photographs on, on that everyone can see. I, 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 that For me, that's a, a strange one. Like, yeah. they don't have any say in if they want their picture up or not. Yeah. And what we can do now with technology in terms of, um, like, facial, what do you call it? When basically, um, what's it called? Face. Oh, damn it. I've forgotten the word. But it's when they can, essentially, they have a video of Obama speaking. Yeah. And he didn't say any of those words. You know, oh right! Like I don't know what that's called. They, they take but... they take thousands of images or hundreds of images of your face, and then they can manipulate it so that it looks like you're saying something. You know. Oh, okay. Um, but I just I just wonder, like you know, people that are taking images of children. It's I don't know. It's it's me. Yeah. I've I watched a documentary the other day. I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry, Mandalay. It's okay. <laughs> About Facebook and the Facebook hack and the whole Cambridge Analytica. And... Oh, I started. It's so funny. I started. My boyfriend and I started watching that two nights ago. And we we're like, oh, yeah, Pika, we'd be interested in that. And then, like, 10 minutes in, we we're like, oh, do we really want to be going to bed on this note? Like, <laughs> like, and we already know. We actually know this is happening. We don't really need to watch it and feel mm. shitty. So, yeah, it's, we'll it's, just turn it off and okay. go have sex instead. <laughs> make love. We'll go make, make love, love instead. <laughs> All right, let, let's stop talking about that and talk about sex. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, um, no, um, because um, this is why we're here, because two people had sex and now you're here and I'm exactly. here. Exactly. It's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's creation. <laughs> it's all around. It's all around. Um, and uh, and I do I do actually think like that when, when I was younger, I didn't have a clue about women's menstrual cycles or anything like that. It wasn't interesting to me. But now I realize that part a major part of my happiness, probably the key part of happiness, is the woman that I'm with. Yeah. You know, I really love her. And, uh, you know, and if I can understand her more, then my life is more fulfilling. Yeah. You know? And I noticed that when one of your Instagram posts, it said, Kakara ceremony, men welcome. So yeah. that that sh- that gives the impression. I'm sure it's the case that it's mostly women that go through these, if not yeah. exclusively women. I always have. There's always one or two men in my ceremonies. Okay. Yeah. There's always like, there's been like the token one man, <laughs> and now we've increased to the token two men. Hey, go for the lads. Ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's catching on more, and I just I just like to say that so men know that they that they can come because you know um, I'm doing the ceremonies at a Reformation Studio, the new studio that opened up on Waterloo Lane. Yeah. I teach some yoga classes there as well, um, and you know through pictures and like you know the verbiage you use and stuff. I feel like it can be, it, it might seem like it's more targeted towards a feminine audience. Um, and yoga, is still, there's, it's still, um, there still aren't as many men in yoga as there could be and there will be in the future. I think it's still kind of viewed as something for women. 
ironically, it was created by men for men, um, as we both know. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why I say men welcome, because I want to encourage more men to, to come and get in touch with, with themselves. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It is, it is mostly women who come. And um, the men who do come are just, they're always like pretty floored and very grateful for the experience. Yeah. And, and but even, as you said, the verbiage, like when I first started practicing yoga, there was goddess pose and I didn't want to do goddess pose. Well, it's also Trojan pose. It's not just called goddess pose. It can be called Trojan pose as well. <laughs> but one, I remember one teacher, well, that's good to know. Yeah. One, one, one person, one teacher said, this is also called horse dance in martial arts. Yeah. And I was okay. like, oh, okay, cool. I, I like martial yeah. arts. You know, I can do a horse dance. And it's, it's amazing how we are so, um, that marketing is so important um not just to get people not just to attract people but to to communicate things like inclusion you know mm -hmm. for example i went to another cacao salmon i went to it was johan kest who was teaching mm -hmm. um he's brian kest's nephew okay yeah and um Great. him and another guy were teaching so then i thought okay it's their men so i'm gonna go because 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 they're men that makes sense yeah and we went there it was yeah it's pretty much a a 50-50 split. Like That's great. Men to women. Um, actually, just, I just thought of something because one of the women at the at the cacao ceremony had an incredible amount of plastic surgery. Mm. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I seen on your, uh, your uh, Instagram, you said that when you were younger, you were going to get a nose job. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. When did I post that? <laughs> but yeah, I was. I'd done my research Monday night. Yeah. So, um, and then what, what, what age were you in this thought of that? Oh, I mean, I was young. I was like 10, 11, oh. 12. Yeah, or like a teenager. Okay. But you know, like when you're when you're growing, going through puberty, you know, your face kind of, you're growing into your adult face. I felt like my nose was abnormally large. Also, I had an auntie who was a supermodel and got two nose jobs. And she and I looked identical. Anyone we so, know? Um, no, she's like in her late 50s now. Okay. Um, so she would have been like the Cindy Crawford kind of days. Um, she was more of a local supermodel in the U.S. She was an international supermodel. Okay. Um, she was, oh, what year was she? She was Miss America one year. Oh, Jesus. Um, anyhow, she was beautiful. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think, she probably didn't need a nose job at all. I don't know. I can't remember what her nose looked like. She probably didn't need a nose job, but she, I remember she had two nose jobs. And so I thought, because everyone was like, oh, you look just like your auntie. You look just like your auntie. Mm -hmm. I thought I must need a nose job too, if she's had nose jobs. Mm -hmm. And plus I lived in Las Vegas. I grew up there and it's a very, oh, wow. almost every other woman you look at has an incredible amount of plastic surgery. Um, it's just very common, mm -hmm. um, where I'm from for women to, um, get plastic surgery on their faces and on their bodies. So when you're surrounded by other people, adults who are doing this, you think like, oh, this is what I meant to be doing too. Mm -hmm. But no, I love my nose now. I'm so happy I never <laughs> got anything done to it. What do you think of, of, of that, of plastic surgery? I, I mean, I know it's uh, a very broad statement, but I suppose in, in relation to yoga, I know it's a kind of a loaded question, but... Yeah, I know. I think it's, it's a really big question because you have, you know, I think plastic surgery people are getting it to make themselves feel better mm -hmm. you know true they feel like they if they look in the mirror and they see something they like more mm -hmm. um they're going to feel better in themselves um so from that perspective i think it's good but it's like why are they not already feeling good about themselves mm -hmm. what's happening on the inside that makes them feel like they have to change something on the outside mm -hmm. so getting plastic surgery to to make you 
feel better about yourself is only going to last so long. And that's why I think people end up getting more and more and more and more. It's kind of like buying material possessions, buying cars and buying watches and buying fancy bags and shoes. Mm -hmm. They only keep you happy for so long. So the new, the new face you get, it's only going to keep you happy for so long. If there's something inside that's, that's keeping you unhappy and, and discontent, it's, all, it's still there. Changing the outside doesn't fix the inside. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I mean, I'm not, I never told anyone this, or not on the podcast anyway, but um, when I was 16, so I was born essentially deformed. Mm. I was born with a pectus excavium, I think I believe it's called, mm-hmm. which is when you have a big dip in your chest. Yeah. Uh, I think about one in 200 boys have it and about one in 500 girls okay. to different degrees. Yeah. And it was... I mean, it was really deep. I remember my cousin, we used to, I used to lie on the floor and eat crunchy nut cornflakes out of my chest. Cause, wow. Because <laughs> I, I could fit like, almost like a like milk and the crunchy nut cornflakes in my chest. Yeah. And then I'd, you know, took a picture of me, you know, with a spoon or whatever. Because whatever, that's what you do. <laughs> you yeah, got yeah, an, yeah. I mean, you've got an older cousin yeah. and you do anything to make it, you know, make him happy. But um, so um, I remember thinking, oh, it was kind of fun and stuff when I was young. But when I became a teenager, yeah. it really bothered me. And I'd be, I'd, I used to leave my shirt on when I'd go swimming. Oh, yeah. And I was like 13, 14, I'd leave my T-shirt on. And I'd be really paranoid about it because people were like, what's wrong with your chest? Um, so then I went to a doctor and I sa- I just, he said, oh, yeah, we do these surgeries and uh, your heart's actually been pushed to the side. So his advice was, look, your heart has been really pushed to the side. Yeah. So if you have the operation, it will flatten out your chest and it will give your heart more room. But also, cosmetically, you, you'll look normal, as it were. Yeah. And I have to say, Mandalay, when I was that age, that was really important to me. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, and and I so I had the surgery done when I was 16. It completely messed up my GCSEs. I just like, well, I probably wouldn't have studied that much anyway. But, um, <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a, a really dramatic surgery. It was about five or six hours. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, it was big, big. And then after that it got done, I was like, oh, my chest is actually flat. I started to uh, do push-ups. I started. I bought a bench press from Argus, yeah. ca- Argus catalog. Started doing bench pressing dips. And I was like, oh, I'm actually getting quite muscular. And when I was 16, I was like, I kind of look like a man now. Yeah. And and yeah. that that made me think like, made me feel a bit more like a man, a bit more confident and stuff. And um, so when I talk about cosmetic surgery, I suppose technically I've had kind of cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Although there was uh, under, maybe possibly underlying issues. Um, so I hear what you're saying about feeling good. Um, because when you feel like you are abnormal, that is, it's not, it's, it's hard. It is, it is, it is hard, especially when you're a kid and kids mm. are so cruel and so judgmental. Mm. Um, adults can be as well. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's that's why I say it's a tough one. But in in a, in a case like yours, of course, that was that was the right choice, and it did. It, it gave you that. It, mm. it, you fixed the outside so that the inside could be fixed, and it yeah. worked in that case. But there are people like these extreme cases, like you're talking about, of the woman that had the incredible mountain face. Who knows what's going on in her life? I can't say. Mm. But I do know that there are people out there who continually change things on the body because really they're looking to change something on the inside you know but, but the, it's like if it's, if, if it's going to make someone feel better about themselves mm-hmm. and enhance their lives in some way then of course you know the thing about though that the, 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 what's really interesting i think it was rach 
my girlfriend who said this she said it really well i wish i could remember how she said it but it was about when face the face has been changed so much that it lacks expression mm. and that that is where um you know a, a huge part of being uh i think happy or being a human is being able to communicate with people of course and if your yeah. face has gone to a point where i understand you know little bits whatever i mean what's the difference between getting an anti-wrinkling cream and getting botox who's to say what difference is but if it gets to a point where you can't use your face to express how you're feeling mm. that almost puts up a facade doesn't it between yeah um a, a barrier and uh i don't know i suppose it's it's um it's a maybe it's a slippery slope then once you've started it's yeah yeah kind of um yeah but um yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'm there um just thinking about my my surgery but um, I might actually have to get the bar taken out. Oh, you have uh, a bar in I, I've there? I've still got a bar in there. It's about 10 inches. It goes right across. Oh, wow. And I have a, I have a huge scar across my chest. Oh, wow. Uh, it goes right from underneath one armpit to the other. Crazy. Uh, and they actually, I mean, shout out to the surgeon who done it, but he, he cut through one of my nipples. Oh. Yeah. No so way. He, he went about maybe a centimeter underneath one. Cool. Nice job. But then the other one, he cut through it. He must have had to do that. You wouldn't cut under one and then <laughs> through the other one unless it was absolutely necessary. I have to, like, what? I, I actually can't. This I'm really oversharing now, but I actually can't feel anything in my chest. So if someone touches me on the chest, yeah, uh, which doesn't happen apart from the other half, like, yeah, I can't. I have no sensation in my chest. It's, it's the same with my my womb space. Really, my lower abdomen. Yeah, around my scar, I have no sensation there. Is that they gonna... cut through lots of nerves? They say sometimes the sensation comes back and sometimes it never does. Like they have severed nerves. You know, and that's where we, our nerves are responsible mm. for us feeling sensation. So maybe we'll never get it back. But that's okay. That's okay. Everything's impermanent. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So um, tell me about what's happening next for you then. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's happening next for me? Well, um, lots of things. I have so many things happening right now. I have another retreat coming up in October, mm. another womb awakening retreat for women. Yeah to awaken their creativity, inspiration, and empowerment. Um, I have a couple different workshops coming up with helping people get in touch with their chakras, learning about the chakra system so that they can help to heal the body and enhance their yoga practice, enhance their asana practice through getting to know the chakras. Um, I have cacao ceremonies. I've got one, one per month I'm trying to do. I could be doing more. Um, I've, I get inquiries all the time to do cacao ceremonies. So I have another one of those coming up this month. And um, I'm in plans to open up a healing center, a retreat center in Blessington. Oh. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend has property there and we're working on building retreat. It's going to have a sauna and hopefully a sweat lodge, um, healing rooms, little cabins for people to stay on. We're growing all of our own herbs to make our own teas. Mm -hmm. We can have organic veg and herbs that we can use for the food. And it's right on the lake. So it's a beautiful, beautiful setting and just like close enough to the city that people can come out there yeah. um, and not have to travel too far away for yeah. like a weekend or a three or four day retreat or something. So that's what's coming up next. That's the big thing. And then January, you're going back to the mountains. And I'm going to go back to, yeah, I'm going to go back to Peru in January and um, just, just be in the mountains. How long for? I'm hoping to go for a month. Mm. Um, I'm also working on a teacher training, a yoga teacher training. Um, 
So I've got to be around for that so I can't go for too long. But mm. I fully support people taking a month or two months off here and there where they can to just go and be or just stay home and mm. be. Did you sorry, did you say you're coming back for a teacher training? Oh, no, no, no. I'm doing a teacher training here in, in Dublin, so I can't go away for too long because, you know, it's on monthly. Uh, in, in Dublin? Okay. In Dublin, yeah, at what? Reformation. They're doing a... Good for you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just helping on it. I'm not running the full thing. Yeah. I'm assisting on it, so I'll be one of the teachers on the on the full training. I'm doing a few of the modules. Is it 200 hour? It's a 200 hour, yeah, so I'll be doing the workshops on chakras and breath and on Yoganada, which is the yoga of sound because I do the sound healings and play the bowls. And um, yeah, so I'll be doing those two modules on the workshop. And when's that starting? That starts in September. So next month, it starts next month. Oh, blimey. Yeah, and it's going to be one weekend per month yeah. um, through next summer. Nice one. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's I, really I, exciting. I still haven't been down to that studio, but I, I, I must come. Oh, it's must beautiful. Go. You yeah, must it come. Looks nice. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous space. Yeah. Really nice and nice. really warm. Yeah. That's always important in like, a yoga studio, I think. Warm. As like, in yeah. literally warm. Oh, uh, yeah, warmer as in not a warm as in the, the, the reception, but the, as in temperature. Temperature warm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ambiance warm, atmosphere warm, and temperature warm. Okay. Okay. Yes, both. Which is good with the winter approaching. Uh, very good with the winter approaching. It has lots of windows and skylights, so it's always very airy and bright in there. It's a, yeah, it's a really special space. Nice one, cool, Mandalay. Well, um, well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, That's and good. thanks for sharing about your surgery. Thank you for listening. That's yeah, no, happy to listen to it. That's yeah, really brave to share, and also wow, well done. Yeah. You for for getting through that. Still trying to be normal. What happens? Wait, sorry. Before we hang up, what happens? Hang up. Or hang, <laughs> You're sitting right we, here. I know. <laughs> before you we turn up. off the mics, okay. what you know? You hang up. Um, <laughs> Did the rod when you go through the metal detector at the airport does it go off no it doesn't it went what? off like once or twice but i think that might be something else but okay. no, because it's made of titanium titanium, okay. titanium doesn't go off so it doesn't weigh anything either so it's not like that's no, pretty light okay wow cool mm -hmm. there you go all right excellent thank well you. thank you so much for having me again kevin <laughs> thank you for coming thanks so much for listening to that podcast i know it was an hour long they're getting, they're getting longer and longer I think that's because I tend to go off on tangents and uh, I notice how the guests sometimes will start to sweat and look at me thinking, why the hell, where's this going? But uh, that's podcasting for you. Got to keep it authentic and just see where the conversation goes. So last few things before I let you go. Events. Heels Overhead, the handstand workshop. Greystones Yoga Studio, August 31st. That is, uh, it's 35 quid, which is a bargain because Greystones is a posh area. And uh, the other event is, the week after that, is an audience with Dan Morgan, live podcast with Dan, who is a life coach. He's a yoga teacher, a massage therapist, and uh, an all-round diamond geezer. That's a free event. You can find both those events on my website, kevinboyyoga.ie, under events and retreats. The other thing is teacher training. If you want to become a teacher, or most people want to just deepen their practice, then maybe join our teacher training starting in September in Yoga Hub Castle Knock. Early bird offer is on until August 12th, and it's going to run from September to May next year. And I hope it proves to be a transformative experience for you. I'll leave you with our 
ye old faithful sponsor small changes organic eco-friendly plant-based whole food store with a zero waste ethos here in dublin ireland they got the self-service uh, counter now which is really great because they're getting busier and busier so now they can let people kind of get in and get out and get their goods and get on the go a lot of g's there so check them out small changes drum quandra dublin nine if you have any questions for me please let me know thank you again so much for your reviews on itunes for sending me messages on instagram for sharing the podcast with your friends on your ig stories it makes a huge difference to me you know a thousand people listen to this every week and you're one of them and uh, every time i do a podcast i imagine like there's a thousand people sitting in my loft with me so which be which would get cozy yeah because it's a fairly small loft but um yeah thank you so much for being part of this um, i really appreciate it and i love you all so yeah catch up with you next week bye <laughs>